Chapter 43 of Laramie Holds the Range by Frank Spearman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Chapter 43 The Last Call. The canny Scot knew well what the message meant. With little ostentation and much celerity, he hurried up street. Belle, at her door with Kate, drawn-faced, could only say that Laramie had promised to come there before starting. "'Warn him,' was McAlpin's excited word. "'You know Van Horn, Belle.' Red-faced and heated, McAlpin ambled rapidly in and out of every place where he could imagine Laramie might be. Deathly afraid of running into Van Horn, who bore him, he well knew, no love, but doggedly bent on his errand, McAlpin asked fast questions and spread the rapid-fire news as he traveled. More than once he had word of Laramie, but nowhere could he, in his exasperation, set eyes on him. How nearly he succeeded in his mission he never knew, till he had failed. Laramie had completed his dispositions and was free, after a brief round of errands, to start north when Carpy encountered him in the harness shop next to the drug store. Laramie was in haste, but Carpy insisted he must speak with him, and, against protest, took him by way of the back door of the shop, over to the back door of the drug store, and into the little room behind the prescription case. The doctor sat down and motioned Laramie, despite his impatience, to a chair. "'It won't take long to tell you what I've got to tell you,' said Carpy firmly but you'll be a long time forgetting it, and the time you ought to know it is now. Jim, Carpy, facing him four feet away, looked squarely into Laramie's eyes. I know you pretty well, don't I? All right, I'm going to talk pretty plain. You're going to marry Kate Doubleday. Whatever her father's faults, and they've been a-plenty, they'd best be let lie now. That's what Kate would want, I'm thinking. That's what her husband would want. Anyway, her children would want it. Barb, after he deserted Kate's mother, went out into the Black Hills. He got into trouble there, a partnership scrape. I don't know how much or how little he was to blame, but his partner got the best of him and Barb shot him. The partner's friends had the pull. Barb was sentenced for manslaughter. He broke away the night he was sentenced. He came out into this country, took his own name again, got into railroad building, made money, lost it, and went into cattle. Two men here know this story. I'm one. The other is Harry Van Horn. He lived in the hills when this happened. He wouldn't tell because he wanted Kate. Jim, if Van Horn comes in alive, he'll be tried for this job on Barb. He'll plead self-defense and spring the Black Hills story. Van Horn has done his best to kill you and hired Stone to do it. You and Kate ought to know why. It's up to you whether he comes in alive and blackens her father's name to get even with both of you. Now start along, Jim. That's all. Jim did not rise. For himself he cared nothing, but he cared for Kate and though she had little reason to care for her father, and the tragedy of a record such as his was not a pleasant memory for any daughter, 
how much more would she suffer if his record were exposed by one whose interest it would be to blacken it i said that was all continued carpy it ain't quite all either van horn will swear everything in this falling wall raid on old barb to make feeling against him it'll be a mess laramie's eyes were fixed on the floor when he raised them he spoke thoughtfully i see what you mean doctor i'll talk plain too as you'd want me to i know no one can tell till it's over how a manhunt's going to work out but whatever my feelings are there's something else i've got to think about you're leaving it out no matter what stories have been told about me my record up to this is clear i've never in my life shot down a man except in self-defense i couldn't begin by doing it now you know what i've stood from these cattlemen in the last year why demanded carpy did you do it why did kate doubleday shun me like a man with the smallpox because he put it up to her i was a man-killer when they couldn't make me out a rustler they made me out a gambler when they couldn't make me out a thief they made me out a gunman i had a fine reputation to live down and all of it from her father and his friends what could you expect a girl to do i won out against the bunch i couldn't have done it without playing straight it's too late for me to switch my game now i'd hate to see more grief heaped on kate and van horn doesn't deserve any show but if his hands go up though i never expect to see harry van horn's hands over his head i can't do it doc that's all there is to it he'll come in alive as far as anything i have to do with it carpy laughed cynically jim he exclaimed with an affectionate string of abuse you're the biggest fool in all creation it's all right the doctor opened the door of the little room as laramie rose go along he said roughly but bring back your legs on their own power laramie passed around from behind the prescription case where the clerk was filling an order and busily thinking walked rapidly toward the open front door a little girl waiting at the rear counter piped at him how'd you do mr laramie it was mamie mcalpin he stopped to pinch her cheek i don't know you any more mamie you're getting such a big girl passing her he stepped into the afternoon sunshine that flooded the open doorway the threshold of the door was elevated country store fashion six or seven inches above the sidewalk laramie glanced up street and down as he habitually did and started to step down to the walk it was only when he looked directly across to the opposite side of the street lying in the afternoon shadow that he saw standing in a narrow open space between two one-story wooden store buildings a man covering him with a revolver at the very instant that laramie saw him the man fired laramie was stepping down when the bullet struck him whirled by the blow he staggered against the drug store window instinctively he reached for his revolver it hung at his left hip but struggling to right himself he found that his left arm refused to obey when he tried to get his hand to the grip of his revolver he could not and the man seeing him helpless darted from his hiding place out on the sidewalk and throwing his gun into balance fired again 
It was Van Horn. Before the second shot echoed along the street, a dozen men were out. Not one of them could see at that moment a chance for Laramie's life. They only knew he was a man to die hard, and dying dangerous. In catching him at the moment he was stepping down, Van Horn's bullet, meant for his heart, had smashed the collarbone above it, and Laramie's gun arm hung useless. Realizing his desperate plight, he flung his smashed shoulder toward his enemy. As the second bullet ripped through the loose collar of his shirt, he swung his right arm with incredible dexterity behind him, snatched his revolver from its holster, and started straight across the street at Van Horn. It looked like certain death. Main Street, irregular, is at that point barely sixty feet wide. Perfectly collected, Van Horn, trying to fell his reckless antagonist, fired again. But Laramie, with deadly purpose, ran straight at him. By the time Van Horn could swing again, Laramie had reached the middle of the street and stood within the coveted shadow that protected Van Horn. In that instant, halting, he whipped his revolver suddenly up in his right hand, covered his enemy, and fired a single shot. Van Horn's head jerked back convulsively. He almost sprang into the air. His arm shot out. His revolver flew from his hand. He reeled and, falling heavily across the boardwalk, turned, shuddering, on his face. The bullet striking him between the eyes had killed him instantly. Twenty men were running up. They left a careful lane between the man now standing motionless in the middle of the street and his prone antagonist. But Laramie knew too well the marks of an agony such as that, the clenching, the loosening of the hands, the last turn, the relaxing quiver. He had seen too many stricken animals die. Limp and bleeding, overcome with the horror of what he had not been able to avert, he walked back to his starting point and sat down on the edge of the sidewalk. His revolver had been tucked mechanically into the waistband of his trousers. Men swarming into the street crowded about. Carpy, agitated, tore open his bloody shirt. Laramie put up his right hand. I'm not damaged much, doctor, he said slowly and looking across the street. See if you can do anything for him. While he spoke, the tremor of a woman's voice rang in his half-dazed ears, a woman trying to reach him. Oh, where is he? Men at the back of the crowd cried to make way. The half-circle before Laramie parted. He sprang to his feet, held out his right arm, and Kate, with an inarticulate cry, threw herself sobbing on his breast. End of chapter 43